0: Thank you, brother. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We'll be considering most of the chapter. So let's read the entire the chapter in its entirety. Acts chapter 16 beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken by the brethren who were at Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decree to keep, which was determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia. They tried to go into uh, into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which was the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customary made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she judged, uh, were baptized. She, uh, she begged us, saying, "If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay. Uh, come to my house and stay." So she persuaded us. Now, it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, bring, uh, these men being Jewish, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and to, and to, or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened and the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open supposing the prisoners had fled drew his his sword and was about to kill himself but Paul called out with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm for we are all here Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the words of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and rejoiced having received having believed in God with all his household and when it was day, the magistrate sent sent uh, the officer, saying, "Let those men go." So the keeper of the prisons reported these words to Paul, saying, "The magistrate sent to let you go, therefore depart and go in peace." But Paul said to them. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officer told these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them, and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren they encouraged them and departed may the lord bless the reading of his word and so this morning with this large task at hand i want to predominantly cover four things in this chapter the leading of the holy spirit lydia a prepared heart the slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination and the Philippian jailer. But before I delve into those four points, I must address the issue that's found at the beginning of the chapter. We read that Paul came across a young man named Timothy, who was half Jew and half Greek. And there was good report about this young man. Good things were said about this young man from, from the, 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 the assemblies around him. And so Paul wanted him to come along with him. To take him under his wing and to, and to show him the work of the Lord. To encourage him in the things of the Lord. But before he, ha- he did that, he circumcised him. He circumcised him. And you know, some people may look at this, this passage... And not look at it closely, they would say, see, the Bible contradicts itself. You see, the previous chapter, which we studied last week, uh, there was an issue about circumcision. You see, men came up from Jerusalem and were telling people, you have to be circumcised, and then you're saved. And Paul stood against them and said, No, that's not true. But let's go down to Jerusalem and, and let's 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 figure this out. And after the apostles and the elders there in Jerusalem, after much debate and contemplation they came to know the truth in the sense that it's believing in faith and there's no works to be added circumcision was not needed there was no need to to put the burden of the law upon the Gentiles and a decree was written and sent out to all the Gentile churches and Paul was one of those delivering this decree in fact we read it that he was delivering it there in the city of Lystra and Iconium and yet he circumcised Paul, uh, Timothy and the answer is quite simple you see he didn't circumcise Timothy because he needed to be saved far from it Timothy was already saved in fact his faith was in action his faith was evident those around him saw his faith And they were encouraged by it, so much so that they recommended him to Paul. But Paul did it because of the Jews. Because of those who he was visiting. You see, one of the customs we're going to see here in the book of Acts, when Paul went into a city, the first place he went, before going anywhere else, he went to the synagogue. He went to the Jews first. You see, and for fear of the Jews, afraid that they would not reject that would reject his word, because he had this young Jewish boy who was not circumcised. He circumcised him. We see when Paul says these words, "I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some." He really does mean it. And so his, his, his thought in circumcising Paul I mean, Timothy, was not in a sense of works for salvation. It was in a sense to reach the loss, that he would not offend those Jewish, those Jewish people he was about to come across. And so clarifying that, let's delve into our, our main portion. In verse six to verse 10, we come across the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now we see something unique in this passage. We read that Paul and Silas and and now Timothy are traveling. They've they've, they've left Lystra and Iconium and Derbe and now are heading in a westerly direction. And they had desire to go to Phrygia, which was to the west, in in the area of Asia. And the Spirit forbade them from preaching there. Okay. All right. Well, well, if it's not to the west, well, let's, let's go to the north. And so they turned and went to the north into the area of Mycia and and had desire to preach in the region of Bithynia. And the spirit said, and the spirit said, no, no, not there either. And they came to the coastal town of Troas near the ancient city of Troy. And the interesting thing, brothers and sisters, is, and the question is, how did the Spirit of God hinder them? Now the answer is quite simple. It it doesn't say. It's not in the text. We don't know. We don't know how the Spirit hindered them. I mean, the, the Apostle and those with him had a desire to preach the Gospel. They were obeying that great commission. They wanted the gospel to go forth, and yet the Spirit hindered them. We don't know how He did it. And, and now, I think the reason for that, and, I, and this is hypothetical, but the reason he, he may have not told us how the Spirit did it, is maybe if He had, we look at a passage like this, and, and, and get down on a little paper, and write a little formula. Well, if the Spirit doesn't want us to do this, well, He, he does this. Well, brothers and sisters, we see in the book of Acts and through Scripture that the Spirit of God uses a lot of different ways to hinder or to move the work of the Lord forward, doesn't he? He may use circumstances, doesn't he? What those circumstances are, whether he's closing doors or opening doors. It was true in the days of of the day of Paul and it is true today, brothers and sisters. As as believers, as we seek to, to, to do the will of God, the Spirit of God should be our guide. And He will open doors and He will close doors. And the other thing I wanted to point out to you, brothers and sisters, this morning, is when the Holy Spirit did give guidance. When Paul, there at night, as he slumbered, a vision came upon him. And he saw a man of Macedonia calling to him said, Come and help us. We read that he woke up and immediately. Immediately he sought to go to Macedonia. Two things I want to point out. Number one is immediately. Immediately. You know, brothers and sisters, how often in my life, I stand here and I tell you, in my life, when the, the Spirit had opened a door for me, whether to be to witness to a coworker or... Or, or, or to be kind to someone, or to encourage someone. How often do I I step back? Whether it be in my own flesh, my own fear that keeps me from witnessing to that co-worker, or my own selfishness from encouraging that brother or sister. I'm encouraged by, the, by our brother Paul here, because he... He got guidance from the Lord. He got guidance from the Holy Spirit. And it says he woke up with an urgency. Immediately, he set about. And secondly, I want to point out. It says that we sought to go to Macedonia. That's plural, isn't it? You see, Paul was the one who received the vision. Paul got up and woke up his counterparts, Silas and Timothy. And now Luke is included in this. Notice the pronoun changed to we. So now somehow somehow Luke ended up with this group. He's an eyewitness to all these events. He wakes them up and says, I've had a vision. A man in Macedonia is calling us, asking for help. I believe we need to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. And the other three who were with him conferred. What he was saying. You see, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. You know, it's it's very easy sometimes when we have our own ambitions and our own ideas. And we're seeking the Lord's will. That our own minds and our own thoughts get in the way of what God desires. And it's good to, to look to others for wise counsel. So we see even though the Apostle Paul himself, he received the vision. And yet he was humble enough to turn to his brethren and to ask for wise counsel. Is this the Spirit of the Lord? Is this where God desires to go? And they all conferred. And so they went straightway. They got on a boat and, they, and headed straight out. It took them two days to get to Neapolis and eventually they got to Philippi. And when they got to this Gentile city of Philippi, a Roman colony, Paul's little formula for evangelizing, he looked for a synagogue. He says they were there for some days. And then on the Sabbath day, there was no synagogue. And so he went to the Riverside where prayer was a custom. You see, the city of Philippi had no, no synagogue. Even though the, the requirement of Jewish law for a synagogue would only require for 10 Jewish men. If there's 10 Jewish men in the region, they can come together and create a synagogue. There wasn't even 10 Jewish men in the, in the city of Philippi. And if they were, they weren't together. And they weren't seeking the Lord But we we do thank the Lord that there were some women. There were some women on the riverside who came together as a custom to pray. And so the Lord led Paul and his his comrades to that riverside. And there they spoke to the women. You know, sometimes I wonder, what was going through Paul's mind you know we 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 all actively seek the will of God or at least I hope we do. And when the Lord does give guidance and we move forward upon it, sometimes our circumstances don't exactly match up with what we expect and we become discouraged. You see Paul saw a vision of a man standing in Macedonia, a, man, a Macedonian man saying, "Come and help us." And here is in Macedonia in Philippi And all he could find is a bunch of women praying on the riverside. But you see, Paul was not deterred. He was not discouraged. He spoke to these women. He preached to these women the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to Lydia. Here is this Gentile woman A businesswoman. A woman who sold purple cloth. We read of Lydia, that she was from the city of Thyatira. And we read that she worshiped God. Now, we don't know where Lydia came to know the true living God. We don't know where he heard about Jehovah. Whether it was in Thyatira or it was there in Philippi. But what we do know is that she was looking and searching for the living God. You know, she reminds me of Cornelius, a Gentile. Yet, a Gentile who feared the living God. Who would look at the Jews and look at the God that they have and would be amazed of a personal God. And she was seeking God. We read in Proverbs those who seek me diligently will find me. Brother and sister, I posted to you this morning the reason the Holy Spirit hindered Paul and his group from going in west into Asia and north was because they had an appointment. With a prepared heart. A woman was searching for God. And God was going to meet her. You know, God offers salvation to the world. For God so loved the world. But brothers and sisters, He's seeking individuals. He's looking for individuals. Yes, He offers Himself to the world. But God extends His hand to a single soul as long as they are willing and prepared. We see a woman who was affluent, who was intelligent, who was prosperous. And yet she sought in her heart for the living God. And God saw it fit to divert these men straight to her. You know, sometimes I wonder, do you think it's chance that you were born in the family you were born? Do you think it's chance that you went to the schools that you went to? Do you think it's chance that you're employed where you are employed? Do you think it's a chance That you're born again. Far from it. For you see, the Lord from the day of your birth is in your shadows, seeking to reconcile your soul unto Him. And all it takes is a humbled heart, a heart that looks upon itself and sees its great need. And so we see that Lydia heard the words that Paul spoke. And the Lord opened her heart. Her heart was opened. You know, this, this, this morning we just sang that beautiful hymn. That beautiful hymn. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed strength control. That Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed His own blood for my soul. For my soul. Brothers and sisters, if that doesn't open your heart, I don't know what will. Her heart was opened and she received that great salvation. And those in her household, all her servants and all her workers in her house received that great salvation what a testimony of a woman who sought after god and even those in her household who saw the testimony of this woman would be so moved by her actions that they themselves would be led unto salvation and, the, and her and her household were baptized and we see here that her faith had actions her faith had action. You see, she was saved. She was baptized, and now she sets about doing the work of the Lord. She turns to those four men—Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy. He says, "If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, it says, 'Come to him, come and stay in my house.'" The other version, the, the, the other translations would translate it. She prevailed against us. You see, she was a, from, all, from what we can tell in the passage, she was a single woman. And how would it look to the, to the outside world? Here's a single woman, and she's housing these four men. It didn't look right, did it? And you could see the apprehension of Paul and Silas in taking up her offer. But she was a strong-willed woman, wasn't she? She wouldn't take no for an answer. For she was able to accommodate these four men in her house. Her house must have been quite, quite large. For it really didn't cause any commotion in the city. And so we see true and genuine faith. And actions that followed. True fruit of the Spirit come after. And here, the first convert, the first soul to be called in the continent of Europe... There was a woman, a business woman. And there, the apostles were encouraged. Now they no longer wandered the streets by themselves, but they had a place, they had a place to go back to. And so we see Lydia, a beautiful prepared heart. So now we come to this damsel, possessed with a de- with a demon. We read that Paul and Silas and his group were going to, to, to the place of prayer. They by the riverside. And this young girl who is possessed with the spirit of divination. This, the spirit of foretelling. And she cried out behind them. She cried out with a loud voice. These men are servants of the Most High God. Who proclaim to you the way of salvation. You know, I I, I read this passage before when I was younger. And it always puzzled me. It says that she did this for a couple days. She ran behind them and she kept shouting out, Behold, servants of the Most High God, proclaiming to us the way of salvation. It says that Paul was annoyed. Here's this young girl, and what she's saying is not wrong fact it's correct they were servants of the most high god and they they were there to proclaim the salvation of the lord so why was he so annoyed well brothers and sisters the answer lies in whom was proclaiming those words you see in the in the king james the new king james it, it says there that she states who proclaim to us the way of salvation, the more correct translation is found in the ESV and the American Standard says, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. You see, the demon was proclaiming these words. And even though the words were correct, the source was the wrong one. You see, this young girl who who was a fortune teller, And many many of the people in Philippi would go to her for guidance. And they knew that she was possessed with a with a demon. In fact, the the people believed back then that nearby the city of Delphi the the temple of Apollo Apollo was there, the the, the Greek god, and that the, the spirit of Apollos would indwell women in his temple. And the, these women would, would foretell and tell the future. And so the, the people in that area would go to these demon possessed women for guidance on, on, on what businesses to get involved in. On what to do. What, what is their horoscope? What does their future hold? And you see, the problem was, is that this young girl, was following them and proclaiming who they were. She was discrediting, discrediting their testimony, wasn't she? You see, the Lord had a similar situation when He was here on earth. In Luke, we read there when He was in the synagogue that a man entered who had an unclean spirit. And He says, leave us alone, Jesus of Nazareth. And he declared to, the, to those in there who he was, son of the most high God, and, and what does the Lord says? The Lord says to the, uh, this unclean spirit He says, "Be quiet and come out of him. You see, the Lord has no part with those demons, and the Paul and Paul and Silas, even though they endured for a couple of days this young girl, they could not endure it no more for she was tainting the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation, and His gospel. And so I thought about this, brothers and sisters. How does this apply to you and I today? How can we apply this to us today? Because there aren't necessarily girls possessed with demons proclaiming you as as a servant of the Most High God. And I thought of this. Some time ago, I was in Tampa, and I was visiting another church. It wasn't an assembly. And in the announcements, to my amazement, they said, come down Thursday night for a movie Bible study where we look at films, and we study Scripture. And we gleam from the movies and Scripture. And I scratched my head. And that's not the first time I've heard of this. You see that there's, there's this new fad in Christendom and they would take certain movies, sometimes more wholesome movies, like the movie Lord of the Rings which was written by, by Tolkien, which, who was a believer. And, and in it you'll see some spiritual principles, some, some good biblical principles and even you'll see them quoting scripture in it from time to time. And so, apparently people would gather together, turn on the TV and watch these films and And I guess they would talk about some of these principles. And and some may look at that and say, well, what's the harm in it? They're ultimately thinking and talking about spiritual things. The problem is, brothers and sisters, is the source. Where it's coming from. You know, the devil has used films from the beginning. It's His voice. Films have shaped generations after generations and they become more and more lewd and lascivious. And now we're going to look to that source for our spiritual guidance, for our spiritual food? Far be it. Paul didn't stand for it. The Lord didn't stand for it. We have the true living Word. Why are we going to the work of demons? Far be it from us, brothers and sisters. And that, that's not the only thing. I, I, the other time, I heard a preacher. He was, he was, he was preaching in the book of Psalms. And he, and he says, out of all the commentaries I've ever read, The best commentary for this psalm was a commentary by Bono. Who? Bono. So now here's this preacher standing before people proclaiming that there is enlightenment in an unregenerated man. Here is the dead, the lost reading the scripture and commentating on it. And here is believers listening preaching it baffles me brothers and sisters as as we go on in this in this world and, and Christendom seems to spiral in a downward direction and we lose the source the source of our knowledge the source of our spiritual food the source of our power Brothers and sisters, let us beware and be careful of these things. And so Paul cast this demon out. And her master, seeing that his prophet was gone, grabs both Paul and Silas. You know, there's something to say that he grabs Paul and Silas. He didn't grab Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy. He grabbed Paul and Silas. Why? Why? Because the false accusation that he was going to bring before the magistrates was that they were Jews. There was an inherent hatred in the region for Jews. And they falsely accused of of bringing customs that were not lawful for us as Romans, blah, 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 blah. That's what they were meaningless accusations. If they went up there and said, These men have cast the demon out of the servant girl, which made me money. That would be one thing. But who is going to charge them against it? That poor girl was tormented by this demon and they kindly and lovingly removed that demon from her. And this girl who at one point would be an insane individual is now sane. And what magistrate or what ruler or what judge would in their right mind punish these men for doing such a thing? And so they fabricate these these charges. (coughs) And a mob engulfs them. The magistrates rip off their clothes and they command the mob to beat them with rods. It says after many stripes, he commands them to throw them in prison. And I'm out of time, so I'll pardon me if I if I move too quickly. But he throws them in prison and the and the jailer gets the gets the command to keep them securely. And so this, this Roman centurion would take these men and puts them in the inner prison. Puts them in the inner prison. Doesn't put them in just a regular cell. Puts them in the inner prison. Puts them as far back and as far as down as possible. To the darkest, dampest, dingiest place possible. And not only that, but then the, he fastens their feet. And when a beautiful thing happened. We sung it this this morning. Here is Paul and Silas singing, It is well with my soul, they sung. They were just beaten down with rods. Accused falsely. In a dark, dingy and damp cell. In a dungeon. And they... Turn and pray and sing praises to God. What a testimony. What a testimony. You know, when when I read verses like this in Peter, where it says, But I rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. That when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. I, I look at that verse and I scratch my head. How can someone do that? But here is Paul and Silas, just like their Lord, accused falsely and beaten down. And they turn and sing worship and praises to the Lord. Despite of the circumstances, they sung praises to the Lord. And the beautiful and amazing thing of this is that the prisoners, there at midnight, the darkest hour of the night, that the prisoners in that prison could not sleep either. Why? Because they were listening to him sing. They were singing. They weren't singing quietly to themselves, they were singing to the Lord. And the Lord intervened in this whole scene in which the, the devil was trying to thwart the gospel from going forth. And, and the devil will look at it and say, I have won, I've imprisoned these two. The word can't go forth. And the Lord takes a bad situation and turns into a good one. You know, back to Paul and Silas, it's, it's amazing. Here as Paul and Silas seek to do the will of God, they go into Philippi. They find no man. They find a woman. Praise the Lord. And when they still continue to do the work of the Lord, they find themselves beaten and in a prison. And they're not discouraged. They're not downtrodden. They're not discouraged. And the Lord intervenes in and great, a great earthquake shakes the foundation of this prison. And it was a great earthquake, I tell you. There aren't many good earthquakes but this was a good one. <laughs> For you see it shook the it shook the building shook the foundation it knocked all the doors open and loosened all the chains. Somehow the building never came down. The divine work of the Lord. And so this jailer wore, woke from his sleep. Peered into the prison and saw every gate open. And he drew out his sword, ready to kill himself. For you see, centurions were very loyal Romans. Very loyal soldiers. And whenever they, they failed Rome, they would ultimately, most of them would commit suicide. But not only that, but the jailer knew that if he, he lost his prisoners, that he would also lose his life. so instead of letting someone else take his life he said I'm going to take my own life and he drew out his sword and he was ready to fall upon his sword and here is the love and grace of God reaching out to a lost soul it says that Paul yelled with a loud voice do yourself no harm do yourself no harm how did Paul know that? You know, he's at the innermost part of the prison. The darkest and dingiest. It's midnight for crying out loud. It's not like they had fluorescent lamps. He could not see. But you see, the Lord was proving himself to that jailer. Even though Paul could not see. At the right moment, Paul said, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Oh, the omniscient of the Lord! You see, this jailer, who was ready to take his life and meet his maker, was confronted with the, the power of the maker himself. And when Paul said those words, it says that he trembled in his heart. He trembled. No longer was he ready to meet his maker. He ran in and brought these men out and cried out the words of a man who knows he needs a Savior. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, Paul and Silas were mistreated. Paul and Silas were given to this man and this man treated him even worse. He put, he put him in the darkest dingiest, dampest hole he could find. Most men, if it were me, well, if it were me, and Paul would be singing a solo. Because I would be crying. If it were me, I would say, let the man kill himself. He deserves it. But I'm not perfect, brothers and sisters. And the Lord intervened for this man, and... He asked, what must I do to be saved? And this verse goes forth. This verse goes forth, and it's the gospel in its nutshell. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that He is Lord. This is His title. Jesus Christ is His name. And saving is what He does. And you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of time, so I want to bring two more things before you. When Paul gave these words to, to, this, to this individual, this jailer, he was saved and his household was saved, and they were all baptized, praise the Lord. And once again, it keeps coming up, true faith and then true action. He takes Paul and Silas cleans his wounds takes them into his house gives them food to eat and they're encouraged but the next day the magistrates those who commanded them to be beaten commanded to be thrown in jail had some time to cool off and came to their senses and they realized that they've, they've mistreated these men without a, a, without a jury without, a, 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 without actually putting them before a court And they've made a mistake. And so they go and send an officer to him and says, please let these men go and let them go. And the jailer turns to Paul and Silas. In the night after the meal and after all that, Paul and Silas go back to prison, believe it or not. And the next day they get this word that they should go. And Paul says, in a strange way, he says, you've beaten us? You've thrown us in jail, now you want us to, to get rid of us secretly? He says, no, let them come out here. Let them come to prison and get us out. Now, it seems almost vindictive on the part of Paul, doesn't it? But you see, testimony is a very important part in the work of the Lord. You see, they were publicly beaten and publicly thrown in prison as evildoers. And if they were going to be taken out because they realized they weren't evildoers, He wanted them to publicly take them out. How important the testimony of the Lord is as we preach the Gospel, as we go forth with His Word. And then the last thing I want to point out is that here is Paul and Silas, freshly out of prison, And they, 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 after they pleaded and begged them to to leave the city, they first make a stop at the house of Lydia. And what do they do in the house of Lydia? It says, they encourage them. They encourage them. You know, humanly speaking, you would think it'd be the the other way around. The two men who were in prison were beaten and mistreated. Those are the ones who need encouragement no it's quite the opposite those who sat in the house trembling and fearing for their lives needed the encouragement you know how, how often is it brothers and sisters and, and, and i say this only because the brother's not here but steve pappas a brother dear to our hearts has gone in the past month through trials and tribulations that I, could, I can only imagine And he got up on a Wednesday night, and he told us his testimony. A man who I thought needed encouragement, encouraged me! What a beautiful thing that is, brothers and sisters. What a beautiful thing that the Lord can use a situation as horrid as as Paul and Silas were, and bring forth such victory. I'm at awe, brothers and sisters, at the grace of God. I'm at awe at His love. I'm at awe at His plan, even though sometimes we don't understand it. Brother, thank you, for, brothers and sisters, thank you for your time and your patience. And I hope that these words would bless your heart as I have blessed mine. Let us close in a word of prayer.